0: looking at parables. The parable that we're looking at today is in the fourth chapter of the book of Mark, beginning at verse 26. You're turning there. um, What are these parables of the kingdom about? Well, a way to think about the parables of the kingdom would be to say, we don't see... What Jesus wants us to see, and so Jesus uses parables so we will see what he sees. you get that? There are things about life in this world that we would not see. So Jesus uses parables to enable us to see what he sees. Now here's an illustration of it. There was a time in the life of Elisha, the prophet. Now this would be in 2 Kings chapter 6. In this situation, Elisha was warning the king of Israel what the king of Aram was doing in order to capture he and his army. Well, the king of Aram thought that somebody in his inner circle was telling the king of Israel his every move. And so he made an accusation. Which one of you is doing this? And one of the king's servants says, no, master, it's not that way at all, but there's this prophet named Elisha, and he will tell the king of Israel what you say in your own bedroom. He says, where is that man located? Well, they came back and said he's in a city called Dothan. Well... Go surround that city, capture him, and bring him here. So, one night, an army of Aram circled the city of Dothan. Horses, chariots, armies. Next morning, people woke up, but in particular, the prophet's servant woke up, and he saw the city surrounded. Now, this is just to say opposition to the advance and the growth of the kingdom of God on earth. So, what did the prophet servant see? He sees what we typically see on any given day. There's hell to be paid for being a Christian in this world. And there's opposition all around us. Well, he runs to Elisha and says, Master, look, we're surrounded. Well, Elisha says, Lord, open the young man's eyes. When he opens his eyes, he sees that the hills and the valleys are surrounded with the chariots of God. How do we say it in the New Testament? Greater is he who is with us than he who is in the world. Now, to a great extent, Jesus is showing us this in these prophets. Or in these parables. So when we come to Mark chapter 4, we come down uh, to this particular parable beginning in verse 26. And Jesus says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps, rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, this is Jesus' parable, and it's to uh, this group of disciples, possibly there are other people there. Now, when we think about this particular parable, I think the thing that's important for us to remember is this. This parable only appears in the Gospel of Mark. Now, Mark is an artist. And as an artist, he selects the things that he is putting on the canvas of his work of art for us to see. And so, it, being unique to Mark's gospel, we need to understand its meaning and purpose from the background of Mark's gospel. Mark begins his gospel with Jesus announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand and that the people, his disciples, everyone is to repent and believe the gospel. That's Jesus' preaching. Now what we see in the parables is the parables are an extension of Jesus's preaching. Both of them are concerning the kingdom of God. So when we look at this, these parables are Jesus's preaching, to help us to see what Jesus preached. It's to help you and me decide about Jesus' preaching about the kingdom of God, and it's there for you and I to be encouraged to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, again, without the parables there, we would see the things that everybody else sees, and we would be limited in the same way they're limited. The people that are outside the kingdom are limited in what they see. But with the parables, Jesus intends to open our eyes to see what he sees. What does Jesus want of us? Well, he wants us to repent. And in this case, to repent means don't think the way the world thinks. See what I see. Believe what I am teaching you. Repent of seeing only like the world sees. Believe the way I want you to believe and you'll see the kingdom of God. Now, again, is this is only recorded in Mark, we need to understand what Jesus is doing initially. So initially what Jesus is doing is teaching, training, and instructing his own disciples in the midst of persecution. Think back to Elisha and his servant in the city being surrounded and the servant's eyes being opened. So Jesus wants to instruct and train his own disciples who are experiencing the persecution he is experiencing. Now Mark, Mark writes to the Romans. And Mark is writing to a congregation that Jesus would speak to them in the same way he spoke to his disciples in order to see the kingdom of God In the midst of the persecution that the church at Rome is experiencing at the time, Mark writes this. Now, what is it for us? Well, it's the same thing. Jesus is speaking to you. Jesus is speaking to me about seeing what he sees in the world in the midst of the persecution that the church experiences at any given time in the history of the church. Jesus wants us to see ultimate reality, what he's doing, as opposed to experiential reality, the things that affect our everyday life, day in and day out. That's kind of what's going on here. Now, in the background of Mark, the immediate context is Jesus has had five occasions where he has experienced the opposition, the resistance, and the persecution of the Pharisees and their crowd. In the fifth, it says that they had determined to destroy Jesus. Now, that's very important for us to realize The disciples then know this is going on. The Roman Christians that Mark's writing to know that's the intention of Nero. I don't think it would escape anybody today, even in the United States, that are people around us that want to see us go away permanently, finally. Ultimate solution kind of thing. Well, so what we need to do is be trained in the same way Jesus trained his disciples to believe and to see what he saw and believed concerning the kingdom. Well, next, Mark tells us the things that happened as Jesus chose 12 disciples to be with him. He's chosen you to be with him. Now, in choosing the 12 disciples, to be with him, the next thing that happens is we find that Jesus' own family comes to take custody of Jesus because they believe that Jesus has lost his senses, that Je- the family of Jesus thinks that he's out of his head. At the same time, the scribes that have come up in an official capacity now from Jerusalem they come up, and they cast their verdict that the only way Jesus can do all the things that Jesus is doing is because he's in league with Beelzebul, the father of demons. Now, that's what the disciples of Jesus shared with Jesus as his intimate and close followers. Now, on the background of this persecution, And on the background of this indictment, you see that Jesus begins to teach his disciples in parables so that those people who are without faith, it's very convenient. Wouldn't it be nice if you were in the presence of your enemies when you could talk about things very openly and they wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about? Seeing they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear. But the disciples of Jesus are enabled by his teaching to both see and hear and understand things ultimately as they really are before God. So now Jesus begins to teach in these parables. The eyes of the disciples are open to what the kingdom of God is like. Our eyes need to be open to what the kingdom of God is like. So when we look at this parable, there's a couple different channels that we can go through to understand the intention of the parable. If we look at it from the concept that it begins that the kingdom of God is like a man, and then it tells us a number of things of this man so what we're told is in verse 26 it's a man who casts seed upon the soil then it's a man who goes to bed at night and it's a man who awakes in the morning in other words what's he doing he's going through the everyday things of a common life of people whether they are outside the kingdom or inside the kingdom just a man who has sowed some seed now he goes to bed now he gets up in the morning and then it says he watches the crop grow but when he sees that this crop permits when it comes to full ripening he immediately puts in the sickle because it's time to harvest all the stuff that's been planted now in this business of the sickle, this is a quote from the book of Joel that talks about the day of the Lord when all things will be consummated at the end of the age. When Jesus used this word sickle in harvest, everybody knew he was talking in a word picture and that that part of the word picture meant the last day. So That part of the thing is understood about this man. But now we can look at it from another channel. And a parallel channel has to do with the seed. Well, what do we learn about this seed? Well, the seed is just strictly cast on the ground. So here's this seed. Now, the way they would plant in those days, they would throw the seed on the ground, then they would come back and plow and turn the ground over on top of the seed. And then as it got rained on and sun on it, then it would grow. So it's the first step in putting a crop in the ground. He casts the seed on the ground. So now the seed's there. What do we know about it next? Well, it sprouts. It grows. It grows some more. And then we're told that it matures. And then it's ready to be reaped. How does it do all this? What well, says the soil does it? Well, how does it do it? What well, says the man doesn't know? man doesn't know how it happens. All he does is observe it, and it, we see that it happens. Now, what is this parable telling us? Well, the main thing that it's trying to tell us is this. There's something of a dynamic of power that's released into the world when the gospel of the kingdom of God is being preached. And that that power of our witnessing, teaching, preaching, all these things that Christians do, it just doesn't seem like you can... Put a tag on it. Uh, all the time, even in our church, we've got some people, you know, I, <laughs> I want them all to read. Before they come to a session meeting or to a, uh, uh, a community meeting where we're going to evaluate the work of the staff, I want them to read this parable. Go read this parable. Then have the meeting. Well, what they want to do is measure everything. Well, what are we doing here? How much of this are we doing? Well, is what we're doing here effective? You know, is it getting deep and wide as a result of what you're doing? Well, it might not be getting deep and wide. Oh, no, maybe we ought to go do something else. And then it'll get deep and wide. Well, maybe that won't. Well, let's try something else. Deep what? No. I, I well, it just doesn't work that way. But what does work is when we cast the seed. Of the gospel you're witnessing to people my preaching and teaching my witnessing to people we're sowing the seeds of the kingdom of God out there in the world we go to bed we get up we're saying I ain't seeing much happening out here in fact if anything it's in a downward spiral you know what's the old if you get over 65 how are things in the United States are going to hell and uh yeah. Now, how long ago was, had you feel that way today? I can remember my grandparents, and it was a long time ago. Guess what? Felt the same way. It looks bad, doesn't it? Don't worry. It'll look worse if you don't have your eyes open by Jesus to understand the power of the kingdom of God. But what we see here is that when we talk about this, the man casting the seed on the ground, the man who is watching and waiting, the man at the proper time who harvests, ultimately, who is the man? Well, where did this initiate? With Jesus. What does it mean here? Jesus, the apostles, the pastors, the Christians, We're doing something. Well, what are they doing? Well, they're calling people to repentance and faith. We're telling people, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may do the things you're supposed to do. But what else are they doing? Well, if you're like me, I've got two or three hobbies that I'm keeping me sane from dealing with all of you, just to be honest. There's a lot of sanity in my basement. Now, if you came, you would think it was insanity. Believe me, I'll take my insanity to your insanity, and I've dealt with a lot of your insanity. So, but what? Things are going on. I observe people, I see them being converted. One of the joys of being in this church, we've seen a lot of young people converted. We've seen some old people being converted. We've seen people being converted in the history of this church all along. We see people maturing. We see people multiplying. see people getting to old age and graduating. It's not a bad plan, but it's going on. Do you see it? Are you a part of it? Power is not released unless what's done on the ground. If you take the seed and keep it in your pouch, how much power is going to be released? None. But if you're kind of one of those people that's just kind of indiscriminate, a liberal, being liberal with your preaching and teaching, you just share the gospel with people, and guess what? You just don't know. You can't tell. But something's happening. How does all this happen? How do these people change? How does all of a sudden this downtown church be filled with young people? You now you read all the books on how it happens, and it ain't supposed to be happening here, and it is. It's the kingdom of God's at work. Can't get a human explanation. But what do we have to do? We have to keep doing this. Carefully, carefully, waiting, not trying to over-massage everything, but let the Spirit of God, the power of God work in the midst of what we're doing. Now, again, the seed. What is the seed? It is Jesus' preaching and teaching. These people knew that. In the Old Testament, the seed was a metaphor for the scriptures that were being taught. So Jesus is preaching liberally. He's casting everywhere seed. What does he want these disciples to do, even though it's going to mean persecution? Witness. What about these Roman Christians who are under the threat of Nero's persecution? The tendency would be to withdraw and close yourself in. No. Liberally witness, sow the seed, call people to repentance they can only see the way the Romans want them to see if your eyes are open to the kingdom of heaven then you can be a part of helping them see Jesus' kingdom too in the culture in which we live it's the same thing we talk to people when you say they haven't got a ghost of a chance of believing guy over there in blue scrubs he didn't have a ghost of a chance of believing either when I first met him, written off in Columbia, South Carolina, and his girlfriend. Fair enough? Fair enough? Yeah, fair enough. He came to faith. A bunch of his friends have come to faith. Wife came to faith. You know how it happened? I've told the story here, a little girl that worked in an an operating room who was doing work for other people that the people just were amazed that she would do other people's work without complaining. Finally, his wife, Nancy, said, I don't know what you've got, but whatever it is, I need it. And The girl shared Christ with her. Nancy became a Christian. A couple months later, Tommy became a Christian. That's what we do. We cast the seed on the ground. We don't know what's going to happen, but it happens this way. Through our witnessing, God's great power of calling people to repentance and faith is released. That's what this kingdom is. This what this parable is teaching us we don't know how well if we don't know how we do know who and it's jesus and so that's what we do now the, the idea of this is that this is going to continue people are going to be converted while some of the people are being converted Other people are growing. While some people are growing and others are being converted, others are maturing. While others are maturing, growing, and all of this, some of them are graduating to be with Christ in glory. But there's going to come a day. And in that day, the one who teaches this parable will return in judgment into this world, and there will be a harvest. Now, the, the... parable before this about the sowing of the seed. We basically think that, well, we're in America, we're throwing a lot of seed where it's going to be picked up by the birds. doesn't seem like people are doing much with it. Uh, other people are going to be like we're casting our seed on the ground, and then we see the, the things don't seem to take very good root little persecution comes and people are scattering away from the church. Well, that, that kind of looks like what's going on in our culture. In certainly our culture, we see people being strangled by the weeds, by the cares for riches and other things. That's going on. But the focus of that parable that we looked at last week isn't on that. It's on where the the seed that was sown on the good soil, and it produced a crop, 60 eighty and a hundredfold. That's what we need to understand about what's going on in the world. Again, without the parables, all we see in the news is what we see. You know, yesterday we had a meeting in our denomination down in Houston County. And I was kind of disappointed because we never even once mentioned the anniversary of 9-11. It would have been a good day, I think, for our Presbytery to have remembered it. I want to call your attention to it. Today is 9-12. We've had an ambassador assassinated. Multiple people in that embassy killed, a number of them American. It's got our attention the politics that's going on democrat and republican has got our attention the economy has got our attention the moral decline and the culture has got our attention all of these things have caused us the hurt the hardship the recession the crime the divorce the death to see what the world sees that's reality It's a part of our everyday going to bed and getting up. With Jesus opening our eyes by this parable, we need to see things differently. We need to see what Jesus is doing in the world, what Jesus is literally doing through some of you in this world, what Jesus is doing with all of us corporately in the world. He's going to do this to the end of the age. Now, my oldest son, Knox, is 31. So I'm going to make him six, maybe seven. He brings me a picture that he's sketched out on a white piece of paper of a house. Picture the roof's about right. Walls and roof are about the right dimension. Windows are pretty close. Door, pretty good. Doorknob. So I looked at the picture and I looked at my son Knox and I said, Knox, doorknob. (laughs) And he laughed. He thought that was so funny. The proportion of the doorknob was this big. <laughs> and when he when someone called his attention to it, he saw it and he laughed. He thought it was really funny. Well, let me tell you the doorknob I see. In nineteen seventy-seven, I went to Reformed Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. There was one Reformed Seminary. It was graduating about 60 to 70 people. The number of people here. In our church were there at that time. One Reformed Seminary. How many Reformed Seminaries are there today? I think there's five. From one Reformed Seminary in 1977 to 2012, five. And what they're doing online is reaching people globally around the world. Do you by any chance see an increase in what might be happening in God's world? There was one Westminster Seminary then. It was in Philadelphia. Now, in effect, there's maybe three, depending on how you count one in Texas. Our own denominational seminary was graduating about a whopping 12 to 16 people a year. Nobody even counted them in the mix. To now, today, I don't know. What do you think, Eric? What do they graduate? Well over a hundred. All of a sudden, God's got a faucet. It's a big one, and He's turning it, and men are coming in, in out, into a solid, reformed, Christian, conservative presentation of the gospel in the world, and it wasn't there in 1977, but in 2012 it is. You know, if you go back and you say it's about 1940, December 1941, we had navigators. One of our missionaries signed up to be a navigator on December 6, 1941, when he sailed into Pearl Harbor in a destroyer. Next day, everything was different. Do you know that that man went through the rest of his life reading, memorizing a new verse of scripture every day and sharing the gospel with somebody different every single day for the rest of his life? He died last year. Can't remember his name. Um, Wasn't a part of my time being here. But he did that. But since then, We've got InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. We've got Campus Crusade for Christ. We've got Reform University Ministries. We've got Campus Outreach. I mean, these things have multiplied. Does anybody see something that God's doing in the world? Um, We see the culture in decline, and yet we see that there's a fellowship of Christian athletes. There's a Christian legal society. There's a Christian medical society. There's a this. How many of these things are there out there? There is a lot. Does anybody see something? Can you see what God's doing in our world? Now, I want to just close it off by saying it this way. I can multiply this. I am only touching the surface. We've got our covenant care, Bethany Christian Fellowship. In most areas of our states, we've got crisis pregnancy centers. There are people deployed everywhere. What's going on, though, unfortunately, all has a human explanation. I can explain all of this, in a sense, humanly. You know, a lot of these agencies don't. frustrates me. Sometimes I'm part of the problem. Sometimes you're part of the problem. But what's going to happen one day, I think, is this. It's going to be God's hour. He's going to take a match and he's going to strike it and he's going to throw it into all of this. And then that will what God's been doing all our lifetime. Maybe we won't live to see it, but it's going to happen And what this parable is teaching will be realized. Look at what God's doing. See below the surface. Witness that you're responsibility. Witness. No one's called you to be Billy Graham Jr. Witness. Just be a simple witness. and You have no idea how people are going to experience the kingdom of God through hearing Jesus through you and coming to repentance and coming to faith. That's the general teaching of this parable to open our eyes, see what Jesus sees, and then act accordingly. Let's pray.